0: Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game. And the thing I like about it, you can actually click on the seat that you're looking at and it shows you a real life view of what you would be looking at if you're watching the game forget about just those little printout graphs of a stadium and gives you kind of some kind of color coded idea of where you're sitting. You can actually see what you'll be seeing if you were sitting in those seats. So that's a really cool feature. And you can also do it for more than just basketball games. You can do it for baseball, football, NHL, all the major sports. And if sports, isn't your thing all the time and you, you like music as well, or theater, you can do that as well. So head to the app store, or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. Welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops podcast here at The Athletic. I'm your host, Brandon Funston, and I'm joined as always by our go-to guy, Mr. Eric Wong, also known as Roto Evil. How you doing, Eric? Doing well. How are you doing, Brandon? Uh, I am doing well as well. How are your fantasy teams doing, Eric? I'd
1: say uh, off to a good start for most of them. Other ones, uh, hopefully, you know, just a matter of time.
0: Well, since I uh, pretty much worked off of your rankings, um, I'm doing pretty well in most of mine as well, so I have you to thank for that, but uh, really quickly, let's take care of some house cleaning. If you want to get a hold of us on uh, Twitter, you can get a hold of me at Brandon Funston, Eric's at Evil. Eric's uh, also got a website, RotoEvil.com. It's fantastic as a preseason resource to get you ready for the league and uh, he has all kinds of information there, and he's also giving us information at The Athletic. Uh, it's been awesome. People have really taken to it. Uh, he did a fantastic job getting you ready during the preseason, and now uh, he's putting out stuff during the season. And this week, uh, you had a big buy low, sell high column. You can check that out online at The Athletic, but uh, you can also listen right here because we're going to talk about a lot of that. So uh, stay tuned for that. also want to say that you can get 40% off at the theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes, uh, subscription to The Athletic there. We'll also get you to check out some of the other NBA podcasts. We have uh, Back to Back, Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge, and The Daily Ding are just some of the things you can listen to there. So uh, a great, fantastic deal for 40% off on all of that. So with that said, let's let's dive right into it. And I think the, the big news and the thing that we should discuss right off the top is the Steph Curry hand injury. And as we're taping right now, we don't know if he's going to require surgery on that hand. We're waiting. Uh, it's a Friday. We're waiting to hear today if that's going to be the case. Uh, if that is the case, he'll be out four to six weeks. And kind of related uh, in, in this buy low, sell high discussion that we're going to have is D'Angelo Russell, who you have down as a buy low. And uh, I believe you may have been saying that before Steph Curry's hand injury. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but where do you see this Warrior situation right now? Uh, I guess specifically with D'Angelo Russell, but uh, maybe we can talk about you know the bigger impact if Curry's out for, say, a month to a month and a half.
1: Right. I did have Russell as a buy low even before the injury. Uh, he got off to a slow start, and then in the second game of the season, he was ejected early on, right? So that kind of uh, alters his season stats so far. And, uh, you know, his usage rate is going to go through the roof now that Curry's going to be out. I assume he's going to have surgery. It would make sense for him to to make sure he's, uh, you know, he's going to be concerned about his long-term health and he'll be looking like bigger picture. I assume he would want to get that cleared up and uh, get the best uh, return. So Russell, I mean, if I was looking at his game log from last year and he had, uh, let's see, 35 games, 30, 36 games last season where he had 20-plus shot attempts, so he's definitely not shy. He had 16 games where he has 25-plus shot attempts last year, so he's just going to be letting it fly. I would be concerned about his field goal percentage for sure. That would be a definite concern. I'd say the best, the best uh, place to target him or to have him on your team would be In a head-to-head league where you are already kind of punting field goal percentage, maybe you have some more uh, high-volume shooters who don't necessarily shoot a great percentage, but, you know, you're going after the points, threes, assists, steals... Yeah, he's shooting sixty-one percent from the from the
0: free throw line as well. You know, something about early season NBA. A lot of times, and and it's gotten a little better, I think, uh, in recent years. But I would always remember, like you almost don't even want to watch the first few weeks of the season because guys, I mean, they're just not they're not in a flow. And then you know, you can watch a game early in the year, and you can watch the same you know two teams play mid season and people don't just miss the gimmies anymore, but you can, you can get a lot of just people just kind of working themselves into a, into a rhythm and it can take some time. And, I, and maybe that's the the deal with D'Angelo Russell as well.
1: Right. I believe he wasn't uh, playing too much over the summer cause he didn't want to get hurt. And so they, they even said during training camp, he was kind of like working his way back into shape and, you know, with the new team and so many new teammates and everything, you know, it makes sense that it'll take him a while to get going. So, you, you live in the Bay Area. What's the kind of
0: general consensus down there? I mean, I've, I've heard, you know, if this is going to be the four to six week injury. I mean, and the way the Warriors have looked so far, there's talk like, should the team just blow this thing up? Should they start trading assets like Draymond Green and, and stuff like that? What, if you were running the team, what, what would be your course of action if, if we say that
1: Curry's going to be out for a month plus? Right. I mean, I don't, for, for winning organizations, I don't think they really try to actively, um, you know, punt the season and try and tank games or anything like that. But obviously it makes a lot of sense to play the younger guys as much as possible. And uh, we'll get into Draymond in a little bit, but definitely that that should be a concern for Draymond green owners uh, because, you know, they do have some, some younger big guys that they'd like to give minutes to no reason to force Draymond to play in, you know all 82 games or you know the, he's probably going to be sitting some games out i don't know if they they'd want to trade him or how much they could get in return because he still is you know valuable piece locker room guy and uh leadership guy but uh it's it's looking like their chances of making the playoffs now are very slim and uh it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just kind of develop the younger guys now
0: yeah. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, I think the playoffs thing is going to be a tough one for them and it might also be a tough one for a team just a little bit North up the I five freeway, uh, in the Sacramento Kings who haven't gone off to a great start either. They were a lot of people's sleeper playoff team. Um, and one of the guys that's kind of struggling, you know, or I guess leading the struggles is, is De'Aaron Fox, who was a popular breakout candidate for uh, a lot of people for you. Um, and he hasn't gotten off to, uh, off on the best foot uh, so far. And, and again, this is another guy where, like D'Angelo Russell, they're both, I believe, shooting 39% from the field. Um, that's not helping their overall value. In nine category leagues, De'Aaron Fox is is averaging almost four turnovers a game. So, uh, I know you say pretty much ignore turnovers. Guys that have the ball in their hands a lot are going to turn the ball over. It's just uh, what you have to live with. But what uh, you know, you you are you are kind of recommending that uh, you hold course and continue to look at De'Aaron Fox as the breakout guy that we thought, and to ignore this early season struggles. You still have him as a strong buy low. Is that correct?
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, There was an interesting uh, John Hollinger article. I haven't read the whole thing. I kind of skimmed through it. But what he was talking about uh, is that the Kings and the Pacers, who were the two teams that traveled to India for the preseason games, which meant that they traveled further than any other team during preseason, have uh, kind of gotten off to slow starts. And the Kings especially are playing at at a slow pace. They're in the bottom 10 in pace factor thus far. Which, for a young athletic team like that, especially being led by De'Aaron Fox, you would expect them to be. I mean, I think almost everyone expected them to be top five in pace factors. So, the fact that they're in the bottom third so far does maybe suggest that uh, they're still adjusting from all that preseason travel, which is an interesting element. So, might want to check out that John Hollinger article. Definitely, yeah. Fox didn't didn't play a lot of minutes his first couple games, and I think uh, we're starting to see that ramp up. He's played thirty six minutes the past two games he's still not shooting the ball that well but ten assists last game nine assists the game before that i'd mentioned him as a buy low because he'd only uh, racked up uh, one steal over his first three games but now he has three steals over the past two and that's definitely one of going to be one of his biggest assets and so i think i think he'll be fine moving forward and uh, is a is a good buy low still
0: yeah, and so you say, by Remind me where
1: you had him in your preseason rankings. I definitely had him in top thirty, maybe maybe around twenty five to twenty six range, I believe. And so you know, it's
0: you're you're maybe saying uh, at this point because he's, I think, he's in basketball monster rank is one eighty five right now. Obviously, no one's selling at current value, but it, you maybe you're floating somebody in like a top fifty overall range there, and um, but but hold course on kind of like that top thirty idea for him going forward
1: right yeah definitely if you could if you can move someone that uh currently shows up as like a 40 40 50 50th ranked guy for him that maybe is playing a little bit above their head so far that would be a good trade
0: okay uh let's talk about another guard um in New Orleans, Drew Holiday. Uh, again, a kind of common theme here. Guys that aren't shooting well early and it's hurting them in the ranks. Holiday is ranked uh, 88th basketball monster. I believe you had him as a top 20 uh, guy coming into the season. He's shooting 35% uh, from the field, 67% from the line. Um, and this is another guy you're saying, hold the course on him. He's uh, Or, or look, look to see if you can get a sweetheart deal for
1: him right now while he's down, right? Yep, I was watching uh, last night's game pretty closely, and it looked like he he looked more like his former self. He missed a game or two to uh, rest his knee, I believe it was, but he went five for nine on threes last night after starting the season one for nine and got a couple steals again and some rebounds. And so I think I think he'll be, he'll be fine moving forward. And uh, you know the Pelicans' offense is so high powered; they scored one twenty two last night uh, 116 the game before 122 the game before and i think that's going to be a common theme all season long
0: yeah i mean the guy's 29 years old and you know he's almost just like year after year putting up the same kind of numbers and always shooting kind of in the in the mid 40% range like don't you with guys like this are getting the same amount of minutes a day would always get getting 35 minutes a game like don't you just say you know whatever's happening early on this we know who this guy is and don't let four to five games, uh, or I guess three games in his case dissuade you at this
1: point. Exactly. Especially when, you know, they're one of the leaders of the team and they're playing 35 minutes a night, like you said, and they have the proven tracker track record. You don't need to worry about them too much. Right. Okay. Another guy you liked as a, uh, in the preseason is
0: Kevin Herter in Atlanta, and he's gotten off to a rough start. He's actually shooting worse than these other guys about making about one out of every three from the field so far, averaging just six points,
1: uh, what do you like about him going forward, and why should we ignore uh, this slow start? Right. He's definitely shown some rust early on, but he missed off preseason. His stats are deflated because he was on a 20-minute-per-game minutes restriction early on, but he played 26 minutes last night, still struggled shooting uh, one for five on threes. But, I mean, the, the kid has a great-looking shot, and I'm sure his three-point three point ball will start falling soon. And he's also picking up uh, pretty good rebounds and assists on a per minute basis. And so once his minutes start, start going above 30, he should start filling up the stat sheet. And especially when his three ball starts falling, he should be kind of have sneaky value
0: yeah, I mean in some shallower leagues or people that are just kind of playing but not really you know or they there may be a little bit rash you could probably find him you know starting to be cut loose if he if he goes another game or two like this or, or maybe in shallower leagues he is being cut loose so um, you might find yourself getting lucky in that respect so uh, all right those are the those are the four guys uh, that you're saying definitely look to buy low on and we mentioned one guy the that, that you put in the don't buy low in in basically saying he's down and this could be something that uh, where he stays down. And we're talking about Draymond Green as you mentioned. We'd talk about him later. Let's talk about him right now. He's uh, no no Kevin Durant, no Clay Thompson. We thought maybe this could be a season for him to really step up. Hasn't been happening. He's getting ten points, uh, eight rebounds, almost five assists. Those numbers look decent. Some of the other numbers not so much. So uh, what's your what's your thoughts on Draymond?
1: Well, I think Draymond, we're still going to see some big games from him every now and then, especially with Curry gone. He knows that he's going to have to do as much as he can for the team. But I just don't think we're going to see big games on a consistent basis from him. And the the risk factor here is pretty high with him potentially sitting out games. You mentioned the possibility of a trade. And just the fact that his body is already a little banged up Um, Eric Pascal is playing really good. The rookie Willie Colley Stein just returned from injury. Looney's still out right now, but once he returns, uh, you know, that's just more big guys. They have Amari Spellman, for example. And so the fact that they have several other young, big guys to play and the fact that his body's already hurting and the fact that, you know, they're going to be in lots of blowouts. It looks like while Curry's out, of course, It, it doesn't, it doesn't look very optimistic for him. If you, if you already have him, there's not much you could do. I don't think you're going to get fair value in return. But he's definitely a guy that you shouldn't be looking to to try and buy low right now, just because there's too much risk involved.
0: He's such a signature Golden State player. Like you mentioned, that, you know, there's a possibility maybe if they were to deal him, like, can you imagine? It seems like Golden State is like probably the best spot for him to have like the longest, longest leash and be the, you know, and offer up the full Draymond green experience. Uh, am I, am I wrong in thinking that?
1: That's a great point. And we haven't, it's, it's been a while at least since we've seen him play without Curry. So it'll be very interesting to see how important is Steph to his success. Right? Like, we'll, we'll see how many of those cysts, uh, what happens to his assists now would be interesting.
0: What's going on. He's averaging 27 and a half minutes per game. I mean, he's been low to mid thirties for most of the previous seasons. Are, are you assuming that, uh, that he's going to get back into the 30 minute plus per game uh, realm or what's going on with the reduction in playing time there?
1: Right. It's, I mean, that's part of the, the risk, like I was saying, like you, you would kind of assume that his minutes would have gone up with them needing, needing him to produce more, but because they've been in all these blowouts and because he maybe hasn't been 100% healthy, there's no no reason to to force him out there, right? Especially in the fourth quarters if they're already down 20-plus points. And so that that's the main concern for me. Okay. Uh, what's
0: your main concern with Steven Adams? Maybe it's uh, his left knee right now. Uh, he's another guy that is down uh, to start the season, shooting just 30, 31% from the field uh, 20 below 29% from the free throw line, so the percentages are terrible. Uh, and Billy Donovan, head coach, said that uh, he, he's he did some individual work, feels the contusion in his left knee has affected Adams' ability to basically jump. Uh, and you know, he says, Steven has never been a guy to make excuse, excuses, clearly, he's not moving or jumping like he was in the preseason. I don't know how much you've watched of Adams. Uh, Eric, if you can kind of confirm or deny that. But uh, one thing I noticed, he is averaging a, a career-high 11.8 rebounds. So he's rebounding the ball well, uh, just not some of the other things. And So what are you seeing out of Ad- Adams so far?
1: Right. The rebounds are there, but everything else is kind of missing. I haven't watched too much of the Thunder games. And in fact, I was going to list Adams as a uh, buy low guy until I saw that he asked, out, asked to be removed from the last game because of his knee. And then I saw that tweet from Eric Horn of The Athletic. And so that's definitely makes makes you pretty worried because Adams is such a tough dude that he's not going to be he's he's not going to ask to come out of a game unless he's really hurting. And so it must be pretty serious issue, at least right now. And I would not not be trying to trade for him until he proves that he's back to 100 percent health. And, uh, you know, that's, that sounds pretty uh, serious if he can't even, you know, move, move or jump around like he's, if he's used to. So
0: is he one of the guys that is potential to get dealt mid season?
1: Is he on that watch? It definitely seems that way. He's, uh, kind of trending up as one of the more popular trade candidates, along with teammate, Chris Paul, thunder could definitely blow up that team and look to the future.
0: All right, so those uh, those are some guys. Uh, Draymond and Stephen Adams don't buy low on uh, Eric says. Let's uh, let's change gears here and go to the guys that have gotten off to great starts, and you're you're going to say uh, while they've gotten off to great starts, they may not be able to maintain that. So it's a good time to sell high on them. And let's start in Toronto with Kyle Lowry. Now it's funny because pretty much with Kawhi gone. You know, we've predicted all these breakouts for all these other guys, and Siakam looks like he's playing at an MVP level. And uh, OG Ananubi, who we'll talk about later, uh, is playing very well. And you got Fred Van Vliet, guy you really liked. Uh, but the one guy you're not buying in you know, on is Kyle Lowry, apparently. Uh, but uh, he's ranked right now in basketball monster 15 overall, 21 points per game, a lot of other good numbers. Uh, so you don't think he can uh, maintain this going forward, Eric?
1: Oh, he's playing awesome 21.6 points, 7 assists, 3.4 threes per game. The you know the number that is not sustainable is the 39 minutes per game he's played 45, 40, 34, 38, 38 minutes. And uh Nick Nurse has already said, you know, he knows that he has to bring that number down cuz that's just not sustainable to be playing a a guy that's uh 33 years old, I believe, that many minutes per game. And you know that'll probably fall to I imagine 35, maybe 36, but definitely not not over that. And, uh, you know, just that slight reduction in minutes will result in a, a, l- a little bit less production. But he, he's playing great, and, I mean, if you are going to trade him, you should be demanding a top 20 player in return, I would think. My kind
0: of thought on, on Lowry um... – is that you know he he's not super durable, but he's not bad. And in today's NBA, you know, getting sixty five plus games, I guess, is okay, right? And uh, if you look at his track record, he's usually right there or above it. But I always just feel like there's always a good week or two during the season where he's out with something, you know. And that he's, as you said, he's low thirties, he's playing a career high uh, number of minutes. But he's always been he's always been a pretty heavy minutes guy. It's just it's a little bit higher than than we're used to at this point.
1: Right. Yeah. He has some, has had some issues staying healthy before. So that's another reason to maybe try and sell high before he gets hurt. Uh,
0: Well, so, uh, along the lines of, uh, old men that are, you know, playing well, let's go to LaMarcus Aldridge in San Antonio. And this guy's, uh, you know, just year after year is about as consistent as you can get in the NBA, but he's 34 years old. Um, you're saying sell high, but what I thought was interesting is, uh, on Lamarcus is that he's actually ranked sixtieth right now in basketball monster in terms of his metrics. His field goal percentage is down a little bit. So he's actually not as high as he as we're actually used to seeing him over the last, you know, handful of seasons at least. Well, probably <laughs> all of his career. He's been just good year in and year out. So why are you saying right now uh sell high on Lamarcus?
1: Well, so for Aldridge, uh, he's another guy that is playing lots of minutes right out of the gate. He's played 33-plus minutes every game. I'm not sure if uh, if his body will hold up if he continues to play that many minutes. Another reason is his uh, shot blocking. He's at 2.5 blocks per game right now, and he's never, never been over two blocks per game and really isn't one of those high-flying shot blockers, so that number is definitely going to come down. But actually, his rankings – lower now because he just had a dud last night versus the Clippers, five points on two of eight shooting. And, uh, you know, I wanted to bring up the point for that because I mentioned him as a sell high guy in the article. And then, you know, he has this dud versus the Clippers. And so it's a good point of when you want to uh, shop guys around. And so timing is really important. Obviously it makes the most sense to try and trade guys after they have a big game. And so after putting up a dud against the Clippers, probably not the best day to try and trade him. And so you'll want to focus on on the timing, uh, look at who they're playing, kind of anticipate when they're going to have a big game, kind of float that name out there maybe right before that. And then once they, once they have that big game, it'll be easier to move them. Well, one big man who's had a lot
0: of big games has been Kevin Love. Uh, he's played four games. He's had at least 13 rebounds in each of them. Uh, he's had a couple of games where he's had six or more assists. Uh, he's averaging 16 points per game. I, I would say, and you're going to throw him into the sell-high mix as well, I'm guessing it has to do with minutes and expectation, durability expectations. Um, he's one guy that if I had to say, man, you know, I wish this guy could play – 77 games every year and and manage you know mid-30s minutes because i i love the kind of numbers he puts up for a big man because he gets the assists, he can shoot threes uh he he's just a fun guy you look back to his last season in minnesota you know he had 26 points 12 and a half rebounds he was one of the very best players in the league at that time so where are you at on kevin love right now as a sell high what's what's your reasoning there
1: yeah, without a doubt, if he could, I mean, if he does end up playing 75 plus games this season, he could end up being one of the top, top value guys, but it's hard to trust his health, uh, given, given his, uh, how many games he's played the last three, three years and one would expect his minutes to go down. He's over 33 minutes per game right now. And it's more so, uh, you know, the current Cavaliers situation where they're, you know, highly unlikely to make the playoffs and they'll want to be. Uh, developing their younger guys, and it's hard to see Love continuing to have that kind of usage. But for right now, you know he's playing great. The numbers are definitely there. Like you said, he's a great shooter. The free throw percentage is money. So yeah, you should be trying to get uh, a very good player in return. But obviously, you'll you'll want to try and trade him before something happens uh, injury wise.
0: Right. Um, another guy that's veteran that, uh, that you may not be able to maintain here. And you're suggesting so high is PJ Tucker, who's getting, you know, getting lifted up by this Houston offense. It's funny if you look at his numbers, like he's a guy like drew holiday where you say, okay, you know, look at, we know who drew holiday is, you know, we're not going to sweat these first few games. I feel like it's PJ Tucker uh, is the same, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, like he's His previous best in in scoring was 9.4 points per game. He's up to 14.8 points per game. He's making 3.3 three-pointers per game. Uh, And really, he's not giving you any negatives right now. And it's netting out to uh, very close to a top 10 rank overall in the early season. So uh, clearly, the stars have aligned for this guy. How long do you expect that this is going to last for him?
1: I mean, I, I'm a big P.J. Tucker fan. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the game. You know, he has to defend bigger players almost every night, just super tough. And uh, the Westbrook addition does seem to be helping him even more, get those open, open corner threes. But the 59% three-point shooting is simply unsustainable. Um, you know, the steals will continue to be there. The six-and-a-half rebounds is right around what we expected but just the points and threes are going to come down. The field goal percentage is obviously going to come down, and then he just won't won't look as attractive. And he's he's a guy that uh, you know if you can't, you're unlikely to get fair value for him in a one on one trade. And in that case, you, you're better off just hanging on to him and putting him in your lineup as kind of like a end of roster guy, fill in guy but uh but my suggestion in the column was to try and include him in say a two for one trade where you're getting a superstar in return, and just by including him as that second guy, that could kind of make the make the trade happen, put you over the top and as far as getting a superstar in return. would you say uh, conversely,
0: if someone was you know want to trade you somebody like a bigger deal one for one? and you felt like it was close like would you say hey why don't you throw me
1: pj tucker and we'll make a deal like would you be willing to take him on as a sweetener as well yeah i mean if there was a guy that you were already planning to drop anyways right but maybe it's yeah. a, an attractive name to the other person yeah i would i'd be willing to do that trade because he is he is a underrated player both in terms of real life and fantasy i feel like
0: yeah not not a lot of negatives there but probably the the big positive he's bringing right now uh, should regress a little bit. Uh, another guy who's got a ton of big positives so far uh, as we move on to our don't sell highs. These guys have gotten off to a strong start. And again, you can, you can check all this out in greater detail uh, and and other players that Eric mentions on the athletics uh, fantasy basketball site. Uh, Eric's column just came out the other day and has all these guys that we're talking about and more. And we're going to talk about Brandon Ingram right now in, in new Orleans. He's a former second overall pick in 2016 and he is finally looking like uh, a guy that deserved to be picked that high. Getting 27 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, shooting over 50%, dropping 3, 3-pointers, three uh, getting a block. He's basically doing everything. And uh, you, you're heavily
1: invested, and in I'm assuming you're enjoying this ride a whole lot. Yeah, he looks fantastic. I didn't really start targeting him until about halfway through preseason. I started paying attention to what he was doing, and he just looks so much more comfortable on the floor. He's super confident in his shot. I'm looking at his uh, career stats now, and so last season he made 31 threes in 52 games played. In uh, five games thus far, he's already made half that number. He's at 16 threes over five games already. So he's already made half as many threes as he did last year. But the, the big <laughs> crazy. the big takeaway is that he's uh, shooting 77% from the free throw line compared to 67% from the free throw line last year. And that's one of those things where if you're kind of focused on what he's done in the past and assuming that he's going to be the same player, that's how you kind of miss out on these types of players when they do break out is that you're assuming he's going to shoot under 70% again. And then all of a sudden everything clicks for him and he's so confident in his shot that he's shooting 77% from the line now. And then, you know, that allows his value to just shoot up the rankings, especially with the increase in threes. And he is getting, increased usage with Zion Williamson out, but you know, Zion's going to be out for another month plus I I would think. And uh, even after he returns, you know, his stats might come down a little bit, but he's clearly having a breakout year and I don't think you're going to get fair value in return for what he's doing. So I would just say, hang on and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. I uh,
0: Well, so you mentioned that, you know, he's improved there and he, the guy's only 22 years old still. I mean, he's, he's been, he's had three full seasons in the league. And if you look at, His free throw throw percentage as a rookie was 62%. And then he's been right around 68 the last two. And so I guess the point is with these young guys, you can see dramatic improvement. You know, it's more like if the guy's 29 years old and shooting abnormally high from the field, where you'd be a little bit leery about that being sustained. But certainly with these young guys, you should have, you should be able to accept the fact that they're going to improve. They're working on their game. The two things that I kind of noted for Ingram that I wanted to talk to you about is. Uh, you, you say don't sell high, but would you consider selling high if he kind of keeps this run going, uh, maybe right before Zion returns?
1: I assume other, other owners are going to be paying attention to that too, right? Like the timing of timing of when you're trying to trade him, but I, I, unless you're getting a, a star player in return, I think he's going to finish the season as, uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe a top forty player, but definitely a top fifty player. So even after Zion returns, I think he's still going to put up big numbers. And so I'd say, yeah, hold him. You know, you could try selling high for another superstar, but definitely uh, if you can't get one, then I just say hang on. And and what about the durability? Because he's missed an average of twenty six
0: and a half uh, games the last two seasons. Uh, I, and it's hard. To, you're not a doctor, I know, but like uh, that's got to be in the back of your mind a little bit, right?
1: Right, his his issue last season was was one of the more interesting ones. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I guess you just gotta cross your fingers and hope he can stay healthy this year. Right, it's not quite football where everybody's
0: uh, in danger of getting hurt on every play, but it's a pretty it's a pretty rigorous sport and it takes its toll on the body. And, and I guess everybody's uh, a potential injury uh, waiting to happen. So, uh, like you said, cross your fingers on that. Uh, Let's talk about another guy who not a whole lot of players in the league are playing better than at the moment. And it's Malcolm Brogdon, who's now with the Indiana Pacers and making a nice first impression for the Pacers. He's currently ranked sixth on Basketball Monster overall, 22 points per game, five rebounds, 11 assists and a lot of other numbers (laughs) that look good to go with it. So uh, where are you at on him so far? I mean, I don't know that he could do a whole lot better, but uh, is he going to be able to maintain this?
1: Right. His, his numbers been, have been huge early on. Uh, part of it may be because of the opponents he's played. He's played the Pistons twice, the Cavaliers and the Nets. So not exactly any top defenses that he's faced yet. But I'm actually uh, changing my tune on Malcolm Brogdon in the column. I had listed him as a sell high. And uh, now I'm saying, I'm saying just to hang on because I don't think you're going to get the top 20 player in return that you would like to get from him based on what he's done so far and uh Miles Turner just went down with an injury that appears to be semi-serious. They're listing him as week to week as opposed to day to day. And so what I think that means is we're going to see lots of uh Brogdon, Sabonis pick and roll action. That's going to be kind of their go-to go-to uh offense now. And that means that his stats will just continue to uh be up there and if, if he could maintain that uh 20 and 10 pace, that's that'd be pretty amazing. And, uh, at least for another month, I'd try to ride it out before you consider selling high on him just because he's playing at such a high level right now. It's funny. I, I,
0: I loved him at Virginia, but the funny thing about Virginia is there's such a, a strict kind of deliberate offense that a lot of times like guys like this, you just can't project them to the NBA. Cause you know, they're not allowed to really, uh, you know, flourish in it individually. It's such a team deal, but, uh, I mean, he was always a guy that looked like he was in charge, smart, very smart. So I'm with you. I think that he's a guy, if you can put up these numbers, and this is what they're asking him to do, he's one of those guys who will just continue to go out and do it. So uh, I'm curious. There was, a, there was a reader mailbag, and we're going to jump into a bunch of mailbag questions uh, at this point. And we'll start with one that's uh, – I'll just read it. It comes from Connor D., he asked, how do you think uh, Steph Curry's injury impacts D'Angelo's, uh, D'Angelo Russell's value? We kind of talked about that, but we just talked about Brogdon. So the second part of the question is thinking of offering Malcolm Brogdon for him, but my concern is that defenses will lock him down with, with so few scorers left.
1: I thought that was a great question because it is, uh, you know, if you're looking to sell high on Brogdon, it's like, who can you actually get for him? And then, you know, with Russell being a smart buy low candidate, that was a, a nice target or so, at least someone to consider offering Brogdon for. And I'm going to I'm going to side with Malcolm here. Uh, you know, just he's shown that he's a very efficient score, which uh, Russell, you know, the reason to buy low on Russell right now is just going to he's going to be high volume and high usage, not necessarily efficient. Right. And so Brogdon shooting 50, 40, 90 last year, which very few players have done. He's obviously not at that high level again, but he is shooting 38% on threes over 90%, 95% from the free throw line. And just those uh, efficiency metrics alone, I think you have to side with Brogdon and I would favor just uh, hanging on to Brogdon instead of uh, over Russell.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a much more of like external factors that increase the volatility for D'Angelo Russell you know, given all the things we said, uh, you know, Curry out, Curry in, are they going to make some trades? I guess uh, the, you know, with, with Brogdon it feels like he is what he is and, and maybe he's playing a little bit higher than he can sustain, but it's probably not going to be like so much, you know, it's not going to be like a huge regression. I guess the only question here is uh, Victor Oladipo. Uh, is there any, you know, impact to Brogdon's game when Oladipo comes back?
1: Right. That's why I'd listed him as a sell high initially is because of the Oladipo factor, but there's no, there's no need for Victor to come back and, you know, start hogging the ball and trying to do everything himself especially with uh, Brogdon playing at a high level. And it might actually help Brogdon kind of with the efficiency and uh, take some of the pressure off him. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. Just to, just to hang on to him. All right.
0: uh, Let's, let's dive into a few more mailbag questions. The this next one is from Brian K. He says, "Thoughts on Miles and Mikal Bridges.
1: Uh, is McCall still a hold?" Right. The the Bridges, uh, the young Bridges guys have have struggled a little bit out of the gate. And uh, for McCall, I would say you probably just have to drop him right now. He simply isn't getting the minutes that we expected. Yeah. What's up with that? It's like eleven less
0: than last year. Eleven less than his right. rookie season uh, right now.
1: Right, even with um you know Ricky Rubio missed the game, he still, you know, his minutes went up, but he still didn't play a ton of minutes. And uh even with Deandre Ayton out, right? Like his minutes still aren't uh, spiking. And so I would say uh j- you know just to try and find someone else on the waiver wire and then but keep a close eye on him because I do anticipate his minutes uh ramping up later on maybe once, uh, it might, it might be after the all-star break when Phoenix is kind of falling out of the playoff race because he is an important piece to their future. But as of right now, it's tough to hang on to him. Miles, you definitely want to hang on to, I think uh, his stats will improve. You know, he's, he should continue to get big minutes for the Hornets. And, uh, I think the more steals and blocks will be coming. And then hopefully that helps with his three ball. And, uh, I think he definitely has more fantasy potential than he's shown thus far. Yeah, he's getting big minutes there. But there, in Charlotte's getting big minutes. So,
0: all right. So, hang on to Miles. Uh, cut loose, Mikhail, if you have to. Uh, is kind of what you're saying there, um, from what I from what I gather. How about uh, there's the next two questions involve Nikola Vucevic, and one of them is in a nine category head to head league. Vucevic or Donovan Mitchell and the other one is Kelly Oubre or or Vucevic moving forward so I guess we can kind of lump these two together you can talk about Nikola and your thoughts on him he's ranked number 70 right now overall Donovan Mitchell is ranked 22nd and Oubre is ranked 23rd so this is kind of one of those do you do you buy low on Vucevic for one of these guys
1: Right, Dusevich is coming off a pretty big game against the Knicks, twenty-one and thirteen in thirty-four minutes. But he had a dud right before that, uh, only five points in twenty-five minutes against the Raptors. Um, his three, his three ball is only uh, one three per game, twenty-five percent from three so far. Um, as far as as far as Mitchell, I would you know definitely no brainer. I would rather have Mitchell star player playing over 35 minutes a game and uh, that that is definitely a big factor like I said Nicole played 34 minutes last game but some games he might only be at around 30 minutes per game or a little bit under because Orlando does have other bigs they have Mo Bamba that they're trying to develop and Jonathan Isaac is uh, big enough to play some undersized center and Aaron Gordon is better utilized at power forward and they're trying to play him at small forward. So they don't mind playing those guys uh, up a position, which might be their more, uh, more useful natural position. And so uh, just that factor alone, I would be favoring uh, Mitchell for sure. And probably Kelly Oubre too, at least until Deandre Ayton comes back uh, Uber is playing huge minutes and he's filling up the statue, doing a little bit of everything. The steals and blocks are there and he's shooting the ball pretty well too. So I would, I would favor those uh, the guys playing more minutes, uh, more all around players over Vucevic right now. Guys that are, Playing uh, better in fantasy right now, both of them
0: um, by a pretty good margin. Okay, uh, the next question is from Nate B. He says, "Curious for your thoughts on OG Ananobi. He seems to be doing it all, having a mini breakthrough while filling up a lot of good categories." And exactly right, he's ranked twenty fifth overall. He's been hyper efficient. He's one of those uh, three and and D kind of guys where he's bringing you rebounds, steals, and blocks. Um, he kind of like – I'm thinking back, like kind of sounds like uh, Shane Battier. Remember when Shane Battier was at his best? That was his game. It hit threes, play super efficiently, and do a bunch of
1: dirty work. Um, Where where are you at on the OG? Yeah, that's an interesting comp. And Battier also, because he did all those little things so well, that helped him stay on the floor, right? He used to play a ton of minutes. And that's another big factor for OG is that he's playing 35 minutes a game, another Raptor that – Nick Nurse clearly uh, believes in and trusts, and he and he. That's part of the reason why you see several Raptors at the top of the player raiders is because he's relying on his starters so heavily. And uh, you know, I was a little concerned about OG's fantasy value simply because he's not much of an offensive threat, right? And he he's only scored um, over thirteen points once thus far. He had a 17 point game, but otherwise he's been at 13 points or under, but he's just doing everything else defensively. And the 1.6 steals and 1.8 blocks. I don't know if he can maintain that pace, but he definitely has the the defensive ability and uh, he's shooting the ball great from three, 44% right now. And 55% from the field utilizing good shot selection and it, I would I would expect it to continue especially if he continues playing that many minutes. So uh yeah, he's he's looking like one of the best uh value picks right now. I wish I had taken him uh a few more times. <laughs> yeah, I think they had the uh
0: if they had the Elmer's Glue Guy of the Year award, he'd be right uh among the leading candidates uh yeah, I like so that. Far. yeah. <laughs> all right this next question is from dave pitman and i think i can answer this one but i'll i'll throw it out there and i'll answer it and you can tell me if i'm right or wrong he says uh in my keeper a, a guy in his keeper league is selling bradley beal would you move jaron jackson jr for him and i would say hell yeah
1: that's my <laughs> answer <laughs> straightforward answer <laughs> yeah because I, f- I feel like too many people in dynasty leagues are continually looking towards the future and at some point you have to just decide hey I'm trying to win right like you're trying to win now and so if you're trying to win in the next three four years then yeah I say hell yeah too go 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 after Beal because he's still only 26 years old and so he's in the prime of his career and he's going to be putting up top 20 fantasy stats for the foreseeable future and uh Jackson, you know, he's off to a slow start and maybe lots of people were predicting a huge year for him and he's still such a young, raw player that maybe uh, people kind of jump the gun this year and he's still another year or two away from really uh, coming into his own and he can't even, you know, stay on the court because he's having so many foul trouble issues. Maybe maybe five, five years from now, Jackson's going to be the better fantasy player. But uh, if you're trying to win now and you... You know, you care about winning, then you should be making that deal. I think that's the problem with a lot of people in dynasty leagues is they
0: look like way too far into the future. Like, I think if you're looking more than three or four seasons uh, down the road, then that's that's just a waste because so much can change. And you know, that's the one certainty <laughs> is that is that something's going to change. So you can't just expect the what's happening now to continue forward. And I know Jaron Jackson's got a big upside, but I think Bradley Beal, he, at 26 years old, as you mentioned. Can probably play his game at least into the into his early 30s uh would you would you agree
1: right it, it would be so it'd be a different answer right if we were talking about say kyle lowry who we talked right. about as a sell high who's off to a great start but he's i believe 32 33, 33 yeah and right so that that's you know a big a big age gap uh even though it seems like they're both still in their prime, Beal is clearly like entering his prime, whereas Lowry is kind of at the tail end of his prime, and so that is a big difference for dynasty. But uh, yeah, you do want to keep the future in mind, and right, like the right mentality is to go after the guys in their prime, like Beal, while still remembering to to find those those young uh, potential stars at the same time.
0: And, and yeah, I don't want to poo-poo on Jaron Jackson because he's at that point where you should only continue to see uh, steady improvement. Uh, anyways, uh, let's let's get a couple more in really quickly before we uh, call it good. Uh, here's a here's kind of a big question. It uh, it's from Mike. It's either. It's either Picanino or uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Mike Mike P, we'll call him. Uh Eric, I'm stacked at point guard and trying to get John Collins from a uh, Steph Curry owner of my league. Who would you give up? And so you list a bunch of guys here. Uh maybe you can tell me which ones you wouldn't give up, or uh, I'll just read them here and you can you can decide. it's Kemba Walker, Chris Paul, uh Fred VanVleet, Leet, DeHonte Murray, um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Buddy Healed. Uh, how many of those guys would you be willing to give up for John Collins?
1: Right. So this is an interesting question. And just based on all of the guards he listed as being on his team, that tells me that it's a pretty shallow league, right? Like there's no way that you can get all of those guys in a competitive, deeper league. And so I would be willing to, uh, what I would be trying to do is make a two-for-one deal packaging Chris Paul and Buddy Heald together for John Collins. And that kind of seems like a lot, especially considering he may have even taken Buddy Heald before John Collins. I'm not sure about that, but because it's a shallow league, I would be willing to package two of those guys. And obviously the one, the main one I'd be trying to get away from is Chris Paul, the kind of older guy that uh, we're not really sure how he's going to hold up or what the rest of the season looks like for him. Um, I'd be trying to, move on from him, package him with a, you know, a very good player and Buddy Heald who's kind of underperforming thus far because knowing that by clearing open a roster spot in a shallow league, there's going to be a really good player that you can pick up that's a free agent right now. So I think those are the two that I'd be looking to package and it might be just enough to to get John Collins. Yeah, you got to assume that replacement value for
0: adding a guy off the waiver wire since you open up a roster spot. It's going to be pretty high. Uh, since you, as you, I agree, I, it's gotta be a pretty shallow league for this guy. All right. One last one. And this is, I threw in there because right before this podcast, there was a coworker at the athletic who slacked me and said, and he's been kind of like giving me his fancy basketball questions. I was like, you know what? I'm going into the podcast right now. So I'll ask a guy who knows a lot better than me. And so his question is from Kelly from the athletic. He asks, I I'm giving up Luka Doncic and, uh, Jaron Jackson, and I would get, Dom Sabonis, Lamarcus Aldridge, and
1: Drew Holiday. Very interesting question here. So I'm I'm looking at it. I hadn't seen this question yet. Drew Holiday is one of the the buy low guys. Aldridge is one of the sell high guys, which we just talked about. Sabonis is one of your I love him guys. Yeah, and we talked about Jaron Jackson a little bit. And I think I would, uh, you know, I'm curious who he would be dropping since he'll be getting an extra player, uh, like who is his worst player that he'd be dropping right now. (laughs) But I would say, yeah, I think my love for Sabonis is going to have me side with the, the Sabonis, the Sabonis side. Even though I said Aldridge was a sell high, he's—I mean, at the very least, Aldridge is like looking more dependable than Jaron Jackson. Even though Jackson has higher upside, and I'd say Holiday and Doncic are pretty close in value still. And so, just that Sabonis factor alone is going to make me uh, side with uh, side with uh, making that deal. And I'm just looking. He sent me a, a screen grab of his team. So his guys on his bench
0: are uh, Michael Porter Jr., Zach Collins, and Landry Shamit.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. You know, he'd, he'd drop either Porter or Shamit, I assume. And definitely with Zach Collins, I don't think they've given an update on how long he's going to be out. So I'd say for sure that move makes a lot of sense for him. All right. Uh, I will I will take that information
0: from you and, and pass it along. I appreciate it. Uh, what are you going to be watching this weekend, Eric? You got anything that you're looking forward to this weekend or any players that you want to, you want to get a closer look at this weekend?
1: That's a quick question. I hadn't really looked at the slate of games. Um, you know, de- definitely. I'm the- assuming the NBA TV is just always on at your place. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, definitely the Warriors situation is one that people are going to be watching closely, especially what let's say like a, a guy like Jordan Poole does right now that uh, he's probably going to be, be getting a lot more uh, minutes and touches. And, uh, I would say, um, Willie Colley Stein is an interesting guy. If he's available in, um, any leagues, I know he was dropped in one of mine. I was high on him, uh, early in preseason before he got hurt. And I think he's a, a better player than people realize. Yeah, I would say keep an eye on them
0: that curry thing i was hoping that during this hour that we would get, you know maybe get some news on curry it hasn't happened yet uh but as you said you're kind of assuming uh that it is broken you will have surgery we'll see on that but that is all the time we had for this week lots of good information thanks eric uh uh you again you can check me out at brandon funston on twitter you can check out eric at roto evil and be sure to check out his website roto be sure to check out the athletic fantasy basketball uh, page where you can find more of Eric's stuff. And if you would like to get a subscription to the athletic, uh, go to the athletic.com backslash dunks and dimes and get 40% off. Um, and you can get uh, access with that to all the ad free NBA podcasts. Uh, you can check it out on iTunes and Spotify uh, and if, of course, if you enjoy these, uh, be sure to drop in a quick rating and review uh, there as well. So once again, thanks uh, thanks for joining Eric and I on Dunks and Dimes. We hope to catch you again next week. Uh, have a great Fancy Hoops weekend, and we'll catch you on the flip side.